Watch this. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Cookie Jar Golf Podcast. I am Tom Mills and today I'm joined by Sam Williams. Sam, welcome. Thomas, thank you very much for having me on. It's it's nice when you come and frequent my podcast. I like it when you come on as a guest. Yeah, well I do feel like a guest today because it's going to be a Course Diaries episode about Crossland Heath. So, Of course I have not played. For a bit of a change I'm planning to do the lion's share of talking on this podcast, which would be a nice break. That's not true. You do most of the talking. <laughs> um, so, Tom, I mentioned on our podcast before last, we've since done a great episode with Alistair Beggs, I should say. I thought that was, I listened to that the other day of you and Bruce chatting to him and it's a brilliant episode. A yeah, really people said Bruce did really well on that podcast, which really upset me because I was right in my element with, with Alistair Beggs. But, um, I think Bruce plays the lay person really well and it's not a role he has to play very often on the podcast. Yeah. Um, I think it's a really, really good episode. I mean, fascinating stuff that you guys are talking about. Um, and I feel like it's a pretty sort of neat segue into Crossland Heath. And, Affordable and golf. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's a model for sustainable golf, isn't it? You know, and I think, you know, he touches on a couple of threads there, like site selection, the fact that the greats knew where to put great golf courses, all of that stuff. So, um yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to telling you a little bit about it because I've not shared tons with you really about it. Um, Nothing. And it's been a course that's been on my radar to play for quite some time. Why? Uh, I think I saw a picture of a par three and that was it. And it just stuck in my head. And then one of the guys, Mike, who's come to some of our events in the past, I knew he's a member up there. Um, but I've never found time to play it. I think it's, would you say it's the Pennines? Is that basically it? I don't know where it is. You can have to so where it is. it's right by um, Huddersfield. Not so, an area of the world I know all too well, I must well, say. It's, it's a strange part. So for anyone outside the UK listening to this, Huddersfield is like a very sort of old industrial town situated kind of between Leeds and Manchester over the Pennines, which is the most beautiful sort of stretch of um, sort of rocky moorland very, very high up in the country. Um, and it's just beautiful. All the houses have this wonderful sort of dark brick character to them. You know, it's unmistakably, you know, Pennines, I guess. But it's not a place that you're very often driving through because you come off a, the, the sort of one road that takes you from Manchester to Leeds and you've got to kind of hunt your way down there. But a friend of mine lives up there. Uh, I haven't seen him for quite some time prospect of going out for a few drinks with him on the Saturday night and said you know where should we play golf on Sunday so doing a bit of research I was so giddy when I saw that Crossland Heath was a mere eight minute drive away from his um serendipity some would say some would say absolutely so we went out in a place called Holmfirth called what Holmfirth 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 okay H-O-L-M which is where they filmed Last of the Summer Wine for those people that aren't uh, over the age of 45, what's last of the summer wine? Who are, what do you mean, who aren't over the age of... Well, do you, we're, remember, we're you only, must remember it. We're only just, though. We are only just the cusp of people that would remember last of the summer wine. Yeah, or like if you're in the US when I was or like anywhere six or else seven. in the world. I don't think it's a big thing in, in the States, for example. No, I doubt it. I mean, what are your memories of last of the summer wine? Uh, I, I remember it being about old people 
Yeah. I remember there being like a sleepy sort of stream that goes through the village. Yeah. Um, and and, it, and there being a corner to a road, like the kind of a loopy corner. Beyond that, okay. I can't tell you anything about Last of the Summer. Well, one. you remember a lot more about the infrastructure of the town than I do. All I remember is they used to show it on a Sunday night. Okay, I didn't remember that. But yeah, that would make sense. It was always on on a Sunday night, and that was always the most depressing time of the week for a kid, yeah, it wasn't was, it? It was around about the same time as the snooker would be showed on BBC Two. You yeah, remember that? Yeah. It was a big thing when we were kids, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, of course. And and you had points of view and songs of praise and all of that stuff. Oh, yeah. But Sunday afternoons were so grim as a kid, do you remember? I must it's only because been... of the impending doom yeah, of Monday. Yeah, of course. Of course. So anything you put on TV, I think has like, there's some scar tissue there. So Last of Summer Wine to me is always like, oh God, crap Sunday nights. Wasn't it based in like a cafe or something? Yeah, yeah. That cafe is still there. Okay. So the, the, that cafe window, I'll, I'll stick it on a... Was it a bookshop? Was it like a bookshop? I think there had a will cafe. Be a bookshop there. It was. A, uh, it might have been a cafe with books. We didn't go in. We went in the evening. Um, but I remember it being the sleepiest old people village. These guys walking up hills, dressed in tweed, sitting mm. there, looking longingly into the distance. I think one of the characters that compo used to harass the life out of Nora Batty. Do you remember her with the stockings or whatever that used to fall the down? The names uh, ring a lot true. And it was all like, it was all sort of like watched to that dreadful laughter track that you had on any sitcom in those days. So that really oh, forced laughter can, track. Oh, did can laughter? Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about it actually on the way over. We should we should maybe set one of our podcasts to canned laughter and see how it hits the ear. <laughs> we don't tell any jokes though, that's the problem. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's like it was a really weird sort of like drab place. I seem to remember watching on a Sunday night. But Holmfirth is beautiful, like really nice. I can't say and I'm surprised. super, super like um, kind of, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Another generation might call it bougie, I think. I don't know what bougie means. It's just quite cool and hip. Oh, is it? A load of really good wine bars. Oh, really? Craft, yeah, craft beer places. We went to a Mexican. I was like, I don't remember compo going here during last of the summer wine going to a mexican place no. and ordering enchiladas um it was really good like a night in Holmfirth was yeah, it was super and we ended up going to see mr scruff the dj he was playing at a bar do you remember him no like a sort of a he's been doing it for like 30 or 40 years it's kind of all quite sensible djing it's everyone in the room is the wrong side of 35 every single body and every single person in the crowd would remember last of the summer wine Mm. Um, well, you would if you're from Holmfirth, at you least. Know, the volume's at slightly more of an acceptable level because all the clientele would be a bit annoyed if they couldn't hear themselves talk to each other or, mm. you know, they need to be able to have a gin and tonic. But it was all quite nice. Um, we had a nice little evening there. So, yeah, that's a little bit about the surrounding uh, area. This will tell you where it's bougie. Did the gin and tonics come with, like, interesting things inside? Not yeah, just yeah, a lemon? Sorts. Yeah, yeah. Like there might be some juniper berries or yeah, maybe beef carpaccio served inside them or Yeah. Yeah. Anything you can stick a bit of extra margin on. They were all it was all very sort of like it was all quite sort of quite nice. Quite posh. Yeah, I'd say so. Like I I'm not joking. It is a beautiful part of the world. Anyone who gets a chance to sort of peel off on the way up north so, and go into that part of the world, it is absolutely beautiful. So I suppose you're saying if you're not just in the hunt for golf, there's more than that. That would be what I was saying. But if you are in the hunt for golf, there is Crossland Heath. Yeah, and there are a few up there. So we obviously had our spring meeting earlier this year and a bit of an early sort of nod towards a film about Allwoodley Golf Club that will be coming out in a couple of weeks' time. Um, And they've got a good deal on at the moment, I hear. 
They do indeed. Or Woodley, yeah. or Woodley Moortown. Do you Moortown. know what? That's exciting. We're going to be playing in the Yorkshire Challenge next year. Well, no, I've had the email through actually. The people that are playing in the Yorkshire Challenge are you, Sam Williams, you, Bruce, Bruce Fitzpatrick, and Cookie, and Cookie Jar Golf. I think that means me. So I think it means you and Bruce. No, it's you, Bruce, and, and Cookie Jar. No, so I must be Cookie Jar. Anyway. Um, yeah, so yeah, we've mine. enjoyed spending a bit of time up time at Round Moortown and Orwoodley and the Yorkshire Challenge is played across Ganton, Lindrick and Moortown. But there's just so much great golf in that part of the world, like really, really great amounts of golf. I mean, obviously Orwoodley and Moortown in Leeds would be the sort of the premier spots. They do, you know, you can usually get them on quite a nice stay and play deal. Um, but there's others and Mackenzie obviously was hugely influential around that. So I went and looked on the chronology for Alistair McKenzie, which is outrageously detailed. Detailed, isn't it? Like Tuesday the 3rd of December 19... It's mental. 1923, this is what he was eating for his dessert. Yeah, seriously. So it's like, they even know where he wrote these letters from, presumably because it says in the letter, but you know, he, the, the detail and the, the density to the information is out... I mean, it's, it's pretty mind-bending that people have committed... Would you say that, that no time. other architect has undergone the same level of historical scrutiny because yeah. it doesn't seem to be a Harry Colt chronology I think like. so I think that's a fair take why do you think that is do you think it's just Augusta Augusta, Augusta Cyprus. Yeah, Cyprus point strange isn't it because but then you don't see it over Crump or or you know Colt was involved well, in Crump Pine Valley was a bit of a sort of a, that was his that was his only course wasn't it Pine Valley yeah but Colt was involved in Pine Valley but you're right Colt would be a great example Simpson I, I, don't, I don't now there is obviously lots out there and people People like Adam Lawrence have written, you know, compre- are in the process of writing comprehensively about Colt's life. But the fact that you can go onto a website, which is on the McKenzie Society website, we should talk about this, you can go and download the chronology. They put it under version control, so people will add to it, then there'll be a latest version. You can download it and you can go through it line by line if you want to see exactly what he was up to. The minutia in there is nuts. Anyway, what the point I'm driving at is just the scale of his work in and around um, Leeds. And just well, it's strange because we live in Birmingham. For those that don't know the, the geography of England to well, Birmingham is in the Midlands. It's pretty pretty much it's just south of Slack Bang in the middle of England, only because the north of England is mm. quite sparse. And south of Birmingham is quite dense, pretty much a rule of thumb. Um, south of Birmingham, you might have four or five Mackenzie courses. Yeah, not a lot. I think the old... Maybe. I think the thing was... When he's, you know, obviously Colt was a sort of a very, was a business associate, contemporary, a peer, number of things throughout their careers. And then there was this sort of unspoken yeah. thing about uh, splits in the north and south. North of Birmingham, there are many, many. Loads, particularly over that side of the Pennines and into Leeds. So another one I want to play is Halifax. Halifax looks outstanding. Seaton Crew, wonderful Lynx golf course, mm. Kenzie Design. There's, there's, a, there's a huge number of these. So, for some reason, Crossland Heath has stuck in my head. It's got Heath in the name, designed by Mackenzie. My understanding is it hadn't changed loads, and I'd seen some absolutely beautiful par threes. It's ridiculously good value. I think the green fee is like £40 or something like that. Um, and, yeah, I was just super keen to go and check it out. So, so not to wax on the Church of Sam Williams before I vomit too much. The best part of a golf course is when it's pulling up into the car park. Mm. Describe that experience. Very, very high. I think possible. Some say it's a contender for the highest course in England. It's really, really well, high it's, up. It's high up in the, in the air. Very, very high, yeah, above sea. I mean, it's, it's super high. You've got, you have 
literally panoramic views, north, south, east, east and west from where you're playing. So okay, so it's on top of a mountain? Quite, yeah. The, the profile of the land is all sort of, it, it gradually climbs. It doesn't feel like you're playing on Machu Picchu, you know? Yeah. Um, by the way, Bruce has actually climbed Machu yeah. Picchu this week. This is where, where he is right now, I think. We need to get his take on that when he's back from South uh, America. He's probably taking his golf club, so we'll see what that's like. That'd be a good feeling, wouldn't it, hitting the ball off there? Um, yeah, so you drive in. I mean, it's just a, it's a really nice... The car park is actually interesting. We That's parked the car. We were teeing off first. So we were, well, first, we were going off at like 7.50. So we're out super early. Car park's empty, parked up. We left there at about two o'clock. The space between them, there was almost no space to get your car out on a full car park. Really? I honestly didn't think I'd do it. I somehow managed it. I thought I was going to need a crane or something. Anyway, um, clubhouse, beautiful, sort of, like I say, that sort of all familiar dark stone. Like a ye olde building? Yeah, yeah. It's the original clubhouse. Beautiful. One we're, floor? Two floors. Two Quite floors. big, actually. Really? Quite big, yeah. It's a busy club, this. Like, really busy. Like, you couldn't get a tea time on uh, at a weekend. It's members. I'd, I'd sort of pulled a few strings because I'd messaged Mike and said, oh, I'm up there and I'm desperately keen to play. Could the club, you know... Did you get some dirty me? looks across the fairways? I would have given you a dirty look. Well, it was it was tricky to get around not knowing the course, particularly when the fog we had. But, um, yeah, just a really nice Yorkshire building clubhouse. The original one... You know, putting green sort of folds down and off the, off the sort of doors on the ground floor into there. Jack you can tie. just imagine the scenes in 1914 when the club opened. Traditional right? club, jack and tie. No, very very relaxed, super very super back. chilled. Yeah, okay. very kind of. The, the, you know, I would say my experience across and Heath is it is the absolute poster child for sustainable golf in every sense. Mm. Well, Heathland golf in general is pretty sustainable, isn't it? But no, not crazy high cost. I don't know what the annual dues are for the members, but the visiting green fee is ridiculously good value. Very relaxed atmosphere to, you know, what people wear, you know, encouraging a decent pace of play, a really cool routing, a very enjoyable golf course that you can, you know, people of any ability can play. It was just, it's super duper, like really, really good. And I, I think I'd, I'd wanted to play there for a year and there's always a danger that somewhere doesn't quite live up to the hype. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's rewind slightly because uh, we talked a bit about Kenzie. We haven't connected the dots completely. When was this designed, and by whom? Nineteen fourteen by Alistair McKenzie, which would make this a relatively early course in his career. Okay. So this is when he's. So uh, he's just he's just polished off all Woodley and. Yeah, and if you look through the chronology, the which I couldn't do in in full detail because one year will take you half an hour to read through, and it's 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 fairly turgid stuff. But it would, you know, at that time, he was essentially the architect for the, you know, the greater Leeds area, really. Mm. Every golf course, would he would come to consult and he would offer some plans. Um, it's a decent way before, obviously, the likes of, you know, his work at Augusta National or, um, you know, going over to Australia, I believe. I don't think that had come just yet. I might be wrong on that. But, you know, this is... He's cutting his teeth on loads and loads of different golf courses. So the really interesting piece for me with Crossland Heath having played it was bloody hell that's a really difficult task to lay a golf course out in this piece of land talk to me a little bit about the i don't know the feel of it the routing the land yeah so layout well the routing is the really interesting bit so it's very very high ground you've got this huge dramatic quarry around the top part of the course so i think that would be to the north 
Who were they quarrying for? So, well, they, no, just a, like a like a natural quarry. Maybe they had the quarried stone. it for the stones. That, yeah, okay. It's all that sort of same Pennine stone that yeah. gives the buildings its it, the color. So you've got these huge, massive, like you know, dramatic depressions in the land. But then that's at the top part, and that lends itself to a couple of good one-shot holes. You know, like par yeah. threes across them and stuff. Kind of a bit Cleve Hilly, I'm feeling. But it's all clustered in that one area, and then you've got this sort of great great heathland that just runs across the top everywhere else so the exercise of laying a golf course out there i think is quite interesting because you know clearly you can see one shot holes and par threes and stuff across those and and shots to be played across the quarry but you can't just go to a part of the course and then just play par three par three par three par three and then play sort of fairly you know traditional two shot and three shot golf holes thereafter so the, the routing's really interesting. You sort of play in and up to the quarry on the first hole and you come away from it and then you revisit that same quarry three times within the round. Each time then you get to it and you're playing a par three across the ravine or it'll give you a, you know, a dramatic okay. shot away. Um, so that's like super clever, like really, really good. But it's nuts. Like when we got there at 7.50, the pro had like this anorak knowledge of fog i thought god this guy seems to know everything about fog it was so foggy as in the clouds fog yeah so foggy when we got there you're talking 50 60 yards of visibility like it was so thick i was saying we can't go he says no no we can see the fourth green you know that was his sort of bellwether um and i said how much how come you know so much about fog he's like well we just get it so much particularly this time of year it comes in pretty much every morning because we're so high up um so we're playing up the first quite gingerly, really trying to hit the ball 150 yards just to sort of get away and hoping the fog lifts because it's a par five. I've got no idea where we're hitting to. So I've plodded a couple of shots down there, walked down and, you know, friend Jim says, oh, is that the green over there on the left? I'm thinking it can't be. You know, when you just look at a green, there's no fairway that runs at it. It looks like it's part of a separate hole. It's yeah. 60 yards away. It made no sense. It's just like, it can't be that. But then we've, I couldn't see anything further past the fairway. So I keep walking and I walk and I walk ahead of my ball. And I, I can't see anything. And then eventually I get to the end and it's like, oh, the fairway just runs out here. What's going on? Like, it's really strange. There's no green. I'm, I'm genuinely stuck at this point on the first hole. I do not know where the green is. I think I might have to admit defeat after two shots. And then we see the silhouettes of the group in front who are obviously playing their second tee shot. So I've sort of had to shout over to them and say, look, sorry, guys, where's the green? They're like, oh, it's on just a, on, down here. On a member's day. Brilliant. Yeah, on a member's day. I Brilliant. mean, just spot the visitor. So I then walk forward again. I'm now like 130 yards ahead of my golf ball. And I just about make out there's this green perched across the quarry on like a shelf. It's bonkers par five to open. I've never played an opening hole like it. So you've got to try and get as close to the quarry as you can in two and then... Wedge yeah, across. I suspect with a good bit of wind or for a really big hitter, you could thump one up there and then you could have a dig at it. Um, you can play, and if you don't get the green that goes in the quarry, it's very steep and you're well below the green. But they've all kind of kept it closely mown and stuff yeah. so that you can you can still play a shot out of it. You're not going to lose your golf ball. Um, but yeah, truly incredible. And then you go back and you play the second shot is then your second hole is like 110 yard par three. Again, right across the other direction of the quarry. And then you work your way back out. Never played in fog like it. I mean, it was, I say it was touch and go as to whether we should be playing. It was, mm. um, 
It would have been better if you'd had knowledge of the course, perhaps. Mackenzie's obviously famous for his green sites. Mm. How, how do they stack up? I mean, I think you can notice it. I don't know what you think about Mackenzie golf courses. Like I, you touched on it earlier when you were saying no one else has ever been written about so much as, mm. as Alistair Mackenzie, and I would agree. And I think there's a, I think there's quite a bit of hyperbole with him. Do you think? I, I don't know. It's hard. You look at courses, and so much of the courses you're looking at is how well they've been looked after, and how, and to what extent those principles have stuck. He's a brilliant golf course, Crossland Heath. It's very different when you look at Mackenzie Green sites and you look at the stuff that's there with hazards or, you know, the way bunkers are constructed or the way, you know, contours. And they just, they look really different to what Simpson would put, you know? Mm. Like, it's much more angular. It's, it, you know, it looks much more like somebody's been at it with a, you know, with a spade and shovel and, and, and moved that around. Simpson, I think, was much more natural and there's much more, it's, it's a lot more flowing. You, there is an unmistakable characteristic to a Mackenzie course, I would say. Um, maybe when you talk about the greens, like the slopes, you know, he was always talked about as having, you know, ridiculously contoured greens. I get the sense here because it's pretty tricky land and he would have been, you know, there was only certain things he could do and he had to work with some pretty natural green sites would be my guess. They're actually pretty flat, so they're not crazy, okay. but they are smaller targets. So it's a, it's different to some of that stuff that you'll look at when people write about the design principles of Mackenzie, that you've got these, you know, you can putt from anywhere and they're wild slopes and all of that stuff. It's not quite it difficult like to putt from a, from a quarry. Yeah, exactly. You can't, can you? So it's, it, it feels a little bit different in that sense. Um, but the par threes are like absolute knockouts. Yeah. What's, the, what's what? the standout holes then? What's, when well, the par three is what they're famous for. So we're playing the winter course. It's relatively short. It's about five and a half thousand yards. What's the winter course? What does that mean? Well, it's just they're teasing the winter, so there's a few okay. of them pushed up short because you've got some kind of... No new, different greens or anything like that? No, 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 no. It's just a bit shorter. Okay. Um, but it played really nice, particularly when you couldn't see much more than 70 yards. You didn't really need mm. um, too many, like, really long holes. But you can stretch it out, and I think, it, I mean, the wind blows exceptionally hard up there, as you would expect. Imagine, yeah. So, you know, really that's the kind of big defence. A lot of the holes... I felt like the holes played in slightly different directions. I've read other things that say, well, because of the way it's rooted and you have to get back up to that quarry, you end up playing quite a few sort of second shots up the hill that are sort of semi-blind. Um, I think that was in Sean Arbel's Golf Club shots? Atlas review. Is there a lot of blind shots? blind shots? There are a few, yeah. There are a couple. Um, I mean, the, the par threes are without question they are absolute knockout are they? and they're all across quarries are they four out of the five sit in that quarry zone okay and what then par is it 70, good question 70, I don't know. 71 yeah see that's the great thing i didn't know i was too i was genuinely too par, busy enjoying it par is vulgar that's why we start with a five and then i can probably count these up in my head i think there's one two others oh, i want to say it would be it would be maybe a 68 or a 69 might be a, probably in the summer it's a 70 or a 71 yeah. something like that um but yeah i mean the par threes are, are, are absolute knockout and the one that's not in the quarry is also i mean it's one of the most incredible green sites it would be such a great place with the drone on a, on a nice day um but uh, you know i actually really enjoyed some of the some of the longer holes as well you know that they, they all sort of they all move in a slightly different direction, I found. You know, the heather, you know, really adds to it. 
Is it tight or is it quite? Over? No, not. It's not crazy tight. I mean, there's a few great holes. There's there's one, the fourth hole. So you, I mentioned you go up to this quarry and you play the third back down, which is a really long, difficult par four, dog leg left, um, unmistakable sort of Mackenzie bunkering and stuff as you look down to the green side. But then the fourth has got this like you know that. It's kind of like last of the summer wine again. You remember the sort of rocky walls they used to sit yeah. on and look at each other wistfully. It's a bit like that. So you play underneath the clubhouse and you, you, it's it's kind of like a fairly short par four. But then you've got this green that's sort of perched up in a shelf or just around the wall on the left. Brilliant. I mean, just just glorious golf hole. One of those ones you can you can have a crack at, but it can make you look silly. Yeah, you you could you could have a dig and try and get up close. Um, you know, there's fairly minimal use of hazards as well. There's not loads of bunkers, and I think that's one of the things I loved about it. There is, it would be really easy throughout 110 years of history at Crossland Heath to really add to it and start putting more bunkers in and I got the sense they'd been really restrained whether there's some covenants on the land or why yeah it's know. also it's also for for a, I'm just guessing but for a club that um you know needs to be modest in its means if it's 40 pound or green fee you know it's not going to be yeah low you know swathed in cash it's just adding bunkers is just going to add cost but it, you know so many clubs make different decisions don't they they'd put more bunkers in you know it's like well we i think we can make this a bit tougher or whatever you know the the fact that it's all very restrained with the use of hazards you've got a lot of natural landforms which work brilliantly well as hazards um how's the heather uh you're gonna ask me whether it's ling or bell <laughs> no no actually i'm gonna um you know Heather's an interesting one. You go somewhere like Formby does it incredibly well where they grade their heather and you can play out of it and it, it's, it's, you know, it's penal, but it can be mega penal, but it can also be playable. Um, how is the playability of the heather up there? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was all sort of fairly down. It's that time of the year in the winter where I think you lose some of the thickness to it. Like, do you remember playing New Zealand? I wasn't going to say over the women's. New Zealand was, and that was so thick. But it was fully in flower, and it's up, so it gets an extra bit more density to it, yeah. doesn't it? The the heather there, I thought was yeah, it was nice. You, you know, it's not like is it loads? It's of not it? it's not wall to wall. Okay, but there is enough of it. You know, yeah. Um, and there's not you know they've done a pretty reasonable job of like trees and there's there's room and it's airy and. The, it, it has a it has a feeling of you know it feels like the sort of uh, the, you know the younger sibling of a of an all woodly you know in that sense you know yeah. it's like there's not the the landscape there's not tons of trees everywhere heather it's all very natural um in terms of how the how the course aesthetic you know looks and, and whatnot okay so if you're um if you're going that way you know build us a trip in terms of you know what? What's it near that's worth, you know, building a trip out of? And if you're going to play like a well, night Ganton, in Holmfirth for a kickoff, what a night in Holmfirth. Um But is it nearer? Because Ganton or Woodley Mortar and get bound together quite a lot, but they're not actually that close, are they? So no, and I and I, you know, really, you're kind of going off in a different direction there from Leeds. Um, I mean, all Woodley Mortar about a mile away. But like driving out, I was going often. through Oldham and and stuff like this. You, you, you're not in the most like. You're not in golfing mecca, I don't think. There are other courses around there. Um, I don't think Halifax is too far away. Okay. I've not played Halifax, and that's another you McKenzie. You talked about that for a couple of years. Yeah, and that's a Moortown 
sort of it's a more town it's a moorland um mm. golf course rather than a heather i believe might be wrong um you know i'd you can couple up with a few of those and i think again it would be crazy good value on golf i just think there's nothing more rewarding than finding like really good affordable golf like it's the best mm. thing ever when you find somewhere like crossland heath and you think Appleby, another example of just yeah. like really good affordable exactly. sustainable golf there's just a real it's just it's just nice and you go in there and you're thinking do you know what i kind of expecting this to be nice enough but it'll have three or four knockout holes and i was completely wrong it, mm, it, it over delivered it was a really solid golf course you could play it regularly yes it's very high up but it's not hill climbing you're really not sort of like you don't have you don't feel like you're heaving your way up hills and stuff like yeah. that um, it feels like maybe, you know, maybe a slightly more refined, slightly less crazy version of a Cleve Hill, you know, in that sense. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I'd, I'd probably say, it means the, the, the golf, the golfing characteristics are very different in terms of mm. what it's asking you to do. But um, I, I'd say it's a, it's definitely a lot more refined in terms of green sites and and whatnot, you know, Cleves are really more of a sort of a pre-1900s feel to it, and, you know, very, very minimalist in terms of how it's laid out. Um, but, you know, I, I look at those types of courses and, and, and think about, you know, some of the places that we've played that are cheap as chips. And then yesterday you sent me a text going, is that what range balls cost yesterday, £8.50? Yeah, on the company account, I saw £8.50 at Bromsgrove Golf Centre. And the only thing you'd ever go to Bromsgrove Golf Centre for would be to, to, hit to hit balls because they've got a driving range there. Um, and uh, I assumed, yeah, I texted you, is that what range balls cost now, £8.50? But there's just so many good golf courses under 50 quid. Yeah. So many. £8.50 is a lot though, isn't it? Yeah. But then loads of people are saying it's not. It, oh, yeah, it's 10, 11 quid, whatever. I mean, you can start going around Greater London. <laughs> I heard somewhere, bonkers. I heard, I heard, it's almost telling me Silvermere around London was like 16 quid 100 or something around it's that. Mental. You can play Sunnydale Heath for about 40 quid or 35 quid. And you can get around that in two hours. And yeah. it's just, it's bonkers, isn't it? I think. I'm with you. I think there's 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 something very very satisfying about playing somewhere where you, you're not you're not being o not overcharged. That's the wrong word. But you're not being charged. At, you feel like you're getting a steal. That's yeah. what the thing is. When you feel like you're getting a bargain for playing golf, and um, and it's still enjoyable. I think it's there's not much to steal. But and the, and the, and the the contradiction about everything we do is that. You know, there is a possibility that more people will go to to check out Crossland Heath now. And does it then do lose its charm? I don't know. Um, we've with we've one discussed S this. Well. We've discussed strange. this previously. Pardon? With one S as well, Crossland. C R O S. See, you knew that I'd misspelt it in my head, even when I was saying yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Just before anyone goes and googles it. Um, but just yeah, I, I don't know. I I, I really enjoyed it. You know, it's great playing with my mate and 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 just kind of turned up there and it was so foggy for 10 holes like so foggy so much so that really you couldn't play really that competitively i mean you you we were for quite a few holes relying on the group in front to say like third fairway clear and you'd be like oh, okay right, right. okay yeah i mean it was clutch and there's a few you know there's a few blind shots like the you know the 18th tee shots beautiful teeing ground like <laughs> it's a 
it's an impossible you know you're just teeing off into oblivion you can't really see where you're hitting it but all of that stuff just i don't adds mind blind tee shots i don't think i particularly like blind approaches no and there's not stacks there's 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 not loads of golf courses that spring to mind that have got blind approaches um Raya's obviously got one, but they deal with that incredibly well with the two markers. Yep. Silith has got some blind approaches. I can't think of a ton of of golf courses that have got blind approaches. And I'm not talking about par threes, because at least they can, if they give you a marker for par three, at least they know where you're hitting it from. But like yeah. with with approaches, it's like you don't know distance. You don't really know line. Everything then gets a bit. Well, the first 10 approaches were all blind. Because you're in the fog. Because we're in the fog, but I mean that was pretty. I mean that was pretty tough looking for a few discs in the floor, yellow and red, and trying to work out even what they were, whether it was hundred or hundred and fifty. Yeah. Um, but all that adds to the excitement. I just think it has, it, it just has a brilliant sense of place. Like it, it just knows exactly what it is. It's a really good golf course. They've got a great membership. It's busy. Everyone's in there. They're all they're all nice. They're all enjoying it. I suppose the key question is: Were you accepted? Like were you accepted as a visitor on a members day? Did yeah. they? Did people smile? Loads at you? of people really chatted. Like, oh yeah, have you enjoyed it? Have you liked it? Oh, well, that's you nice. Know, like, and it's weird. You get loads of messages on Instagram or whatever. People, you know, saying, "Oh, you know, let me how let me know how it is." I'm really curious to know what you think. Because one guy sort of said, "Oh." I've thought about playing it for a while, but I've always felt it's in that sort of second or third tier of Yorkshire golf courses. But if you, you know, it is not as good as all Woodley. If you go in with the expectation that this is going to, mm. this is going to, you know, blow Ganton or all Woodley away, it's not going to. But it is a brilliant addition to a to a golf trip in that part of the world, and building on all the all the great Mackenzie heritage that's there. So, um, I also I, think I that I think that we are quite poor at that like i would say that we don't visit lots of midlands courses because they're on our doorstep you're more likely to go and play a crossland heath than you are to yeah check out something in the midlands yeah and yet we could you know very easily kind of go and look at look at some 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 more courses we should in the do that um are you quite right we got, a, no, trip there's to, a, there's, I mean, we got just, a trip to leicester next week oh yeah of course going to hinkley aren't we mm, that's be exciting. Be exciting not a golfing mecca in leicester i don't think really I've never really played anything out there. Luffenham Heath would be the, and I've not played that. Yeah, uh, I we're, mean, we're, we're going to go. We're going to go find out. That's a good point. It's a good reminder. I forgot we've got that. That is exciting. Yeah, it's isn't it? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, just just kind of, I suppose, closing remarks on Crossland Heath would be go for the one shotters. You stay for the vibe, and you stay for the for the full package of what it is. The golf course as a whole is brilliant. So many great holes. I mean, 16 is like a sort of a, it's tough to make a good uphill par four. Like mid-length uphill par Mm. four, it's tough. And the green is just brilliant. It's like a little bathtub and it sits immediately next to the eighth green. So the two, you know, are almost either side of this mound. Um, Shades of sink ports. Little bathtub greens. Yeah, no, not quite. It's like really narrow. It's like really Mackenzie. Like, yeah. And that's just for somebody who can't quite find the words to describe it. But you look at it and it's it's unmistakably Mackenzie, I'd say. Um, just really, really solid. Re- great sense of place. Highly enjoyable. It was in really good condition for the time of year. Welcoming place. Would 100% want to go back. Good stuff. For those of you that are listening prior to uh, early December... 
please do. Uh, if you're interested in coming along to the Christmas party, which is going on in Urban, please do get in touch. Um, it's mm. FOC2 to go to come don't along. Get much for free in this world. No, you don't. But you, you can't do. get a bucket of. I mean, that's eight pound fifty cheaper than hitting range balls at Bromsgrove. No, well. It's not free when you're down there. You have to buy pints, but you can come and have pints. <laughs> <laughs> you can come and have pints. It's just free to come and have pints. You'll buy pints. Uh, that'll cost you probably £8.50, I would have thought. Or just No, do you figure. know what? I was chatting to James. He's like, no, I try not to take people's eyes out on the beer too much because, you know, we charge for the Sims. So I sort of... What date is our Christmas party, Sam? It is the 8th of December, Tom. It's the 8th of December. And there'll be a Mackenzie up for first place. Alistair Mackenzie. Mackenzie Golf Bag. Okay. Sorry for the confusion. Sorry, I thought you no were giving away a Mackenzie Golf Club or, <laughs> or maybe All the a book of his chronology. Like, yeah. You know, some dusty old... Mackenzie Bag up for grabs in the, uh, <laughs> in the, in the sim. But, a pair of um, Mackenzie Spectacles. If you're still here, I'm absolutely amazed. Thank you very much for listening and until next time. Adios. Watch this.